Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday. It's the 1st of uh, November. It's nice to have your company. And uh, everybody all over the country, car boots. Bloody car boots. They're the bane of everybody's life, aren't they? They've got one going on down in Chiswick. And uh, most of them look like professional people nowadays. Anyway, uh, flipping through the channels last night. Very interesting. Watching Alan Carr's chatty man. They've obviously run out of guests. Seriously, if the best that they could get... Over on Graham Norton's programme, who does he get? He gets Dame Maggie Smith. She's not done an interview in 42 years. Who does she decide to do? Graham Norton. Who does Alan Carr get? Nick Grimshaw and Yvette Fielding. Dear God, even I've turned both of them down. We get Tom Jones. What does he get? Two naff guests. Small wonder the ratings are tripping over themselves. Oh, and uh, Gary Neville. It's all gone pear-shaped. The reason it's gone pear-shaped is because nice Gary Neville is going to become a property developer and build a hotel in Manchester, and so they've got squatters. So as opposed to going in there and, uh, and kicking them out, he said, no, you can stay for Christmas and I'll provide, you know, food and all the rest of it, which I thought was very generous. Well, within a matter of days, the little loveys were fighting among themselves. Police have been called, I think, uh, so far more than 20 times to sort out fights. And then you hear on the news this morning on LBC, you hear that they're fighting outside a legal rave. You know, and I listened to some poor bloke try to justify the actions of sort of, oh, me and my girlfriend got hurt. And I thought, yeah, what is it about the word illegal, you know, that you're not quite understanding? You know, the police were down there. It's not your building. You're a trespasser. I'd have had you hanging from yard arms outside the place if it was absolutely my building. But they, they go with it. And the next thing, people are throwing bricks and hurling. And these are people at raves. Now, as anybody will tell you, people who go to raves are junkies. OK, 90% of them are on drugs. They're on mind-bending drugs like ketamine, which is a horse tranquilizer. They're on a, I wouldn't have thought they even knew what a rubbish bin was or a brick. I'm really surprised. So there's quite clearly an element that goes down there. As anybody will tell you, if you went to raves years ago, people just stood around in a stupor. Yeah, oh man, it's like great, it's really good. And water, we had water. Yeah, yeah. music, light, pretty, pretty lights. Now they're taking on the police, which means that there's a sinister edge to it, which means that it's not really the illegal ravers. It's the people who want to go and, and then they start attacking the police and call them scum. I don't quite understand where their mental brain is, presumably out on loan to some other buffoon out there on the street, you know, who's looking for a bit of a ruck on a Sunday morning with the police. I can't quite understand why if you're going to an illegal rave. I mean, the people who actually start these things should be hauled into court and thrown off to prison for 15 years. That'll soon stop them. You know, it's illegal. It's like somebody moving into your house. You know, these people who were there, the one who phoned up LBC and said, oh, you know, my, my girlfriend and I got caught and, you know, we were hit and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, wouldn't it be hilarious if you went home and somebody had broken into your place and uh, was having a party Then you go, I'm going to call the police. And they please get, we're really busy at the moment. We're dealing out, you know, with the thing that you were at. So you're a little bit further down. But they're trashing our house. Well, kind of tough, isn't it, really? They didn't quite understand exactly what it is. But to start attacking the police as scum when they're just upholding the law. I mean, you almost wish that there had been a disaster, don't you? Like somebody, you know, if there's going to be drugs there, somebody's going to die, something's going to happen, somebody's going to wander into the road, and then the police would be criticised. Damned if they do, damned if they don't. They can't win on these things, can they? So at the end of the day, I thought we'd seen the end of these. Illegal raves. I mean, for goodness sake, honestly. Is this sort of public school boys and uh, girls? who were actually uh, sort of going out there and decided, you know, they're going to rebel. We've had the one, haven't we, before, who swung on the cenotaph. He might have happily locked up for about 500 years. But, uh, but poor old Gary Neville, he's, he's done it, you know, he's done his best. But unfortunately, he should have taken note of what anybody will tell you. 
that these people who live on the streets, a lot of them are quite nasty. They're dealing with, uh, with drug issues, depression, all sorts of things. They, just, they don't want to be helped. They quite like living on the streets, most of them. They'll sit there and go, not any spare change. I don't know where they get the pathetic voices from. I've got no idea. But the campaigner, who's called Fee Lancaster of the Coffee for Craig charity, complained homeless people are being treated worse now than before. Hardly surprising, writes Carol Malone, when the ones in the Manchester crew behave like animals. Somebody reaches out a hand, look, I'm going to give you food, I've got my own private security in, you'll be all right in there, and then they start fighting and brawling and ripping the place to pieces. Small wonder the British public walk on by. Why would you bother? Why would you bother? Somebody said to me, I got it the, when was it, a couple of weeks ago. I leave here in the morning and there's some bloke lying in a doorway because they, they, they never seem to manage to find anything else apart from a doorway. And, uh, you know, the, the amount of uh, money that they must be given by people, I should imagine, probably prohibits that they can go into anywhere else so they sleep in a doorway. And as I went past, he went, uh, got any spare change, mate? And I went, uh, no, pretending I didn't speak English. He said, I know you speak English. I said, I know. You're still not getting any money. And I smiled. I smiled. I thought, you know, why don't you just get off your fat bum, get out there, get a job. You know, do something with your life. Don't just lie in a doorway for it. It just, just drives everybody mad. Talking of things that drive you mad, in the papers for today, there are stories about the usual names in the frame. Still Camilla and, uh, and the kids' company. And still the, where's the money? You know, it's one of those big questions, isn't it? And she sits there and smiles sweetly and goes, well, you won't like the answer. I thought, no, you've eaten it. That's what you've done. As we said the other week, we are, we are totally convinced that when you unwrap that huge outfit that she's wearing, which, frankly, I mean, could, could provide tenting for Billy Smart Circus for the next five years, you know, I reckon there's a little thin anorexic person inside there who's just draped themselves in 46 million quid. I thought it was quite funny, really, because they seem to have no, no records of what they were handing out. They don't seem to remember anything. They, they don't seem to know where this money's gone. And I, I thought, £119 million. Pounds. You should be... You should be sort of accountable. And, of course, she wasn't. She was sitting there looking like the huge bowl of fruit that had just been dropped from an aircraft. And uh, people going, oh, we, we give you another cheque. Even in the week, as I pointed out before, that they were closing the place down. They give her another three million quid. Where's that gone? Perhaps she's eaten that as well. I mean, it's, as I said last week, it's either going to be one or two things. It's either going to be that they're going to go back into her life and discover that she's got no experience of anything like this at all. Has she ever run a multi-million pound charity before? Probably not, because we would have heard about it. You know, has it been misappropriated? There is a piece in the paper today that says at one point they hired a hypnotist at the cost of God knows what. I can't imagine why. We seem to be funding most of the people who worked in it, as opposed to the the claims that she made about the thousands of young, vulnerable people. Well, so far, we've seen no evidence of this whatsoever. They even kept a phone line open. How many, le- how many phone calls did it get? Six. Six phone calls. Where are the rest of them? Well, they're probably sponging off people and doing the same thing. 650 people work for Kids Company. 600. What did they do? What did they do in this company? The answer is we have no idea. She doesn't seem to know what anybody did either. She was just the one who raked in the money. I mean, it's terrible. Perhaps she hypnotised people. Perhaps she sort of sat down there and we were so mesmerised by the colours. She only had to move her body a little bit. And we sort of went, yeah, we'll give you money. And that's what we did. We handed it all over. I love the idea that uh, Christina Rianoff may quit Strictly. Whoop. That's good news, isn't it? I didn't think we'd get good news this early in the programme this morning. And uh, according to Cheryl, Simon and me... I know, I know, you can't do anything about it. Drink vodka and talk ideas for new TV shows. Really, dear. Well, you've been on the show for years, and so far nothing's materialised. Unless, of course, your idea was red and black. 
in which case that was the big disaster, wasn't it? And the other one's not exactly doing too well. So what you talk about, I've got no idea. Not a clue. I can, one can only imagine he sits down with his friends and goes, listen, 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 listen to this. So what do you think, Cheryl? Should we do a TV show? Aye. Uh, about what? Uh, me. And that's about as far as it goes. Uh, more in the papers as well today on somebody from The Apprentice. It's a, it's a sad, sad story. So I'll come around to that a little bit later on. And um, uh, Stephen Gately's family are not very happy. And the reason they're not very happy, and you will remember the story of Stephen Gately. He goes out with his, uh, with his boyfriend and they uh, meet somebody in a nightclub. They go back and during the, uh, the evening, whatever it is, Stephen Gately dies. Uh, nobody was more shocked than Stephen Gately's friends. I mean, we don't, I still don't know exactly what it was. But anyway, that all happened years and years ago. Uh, his boyfriend, or his husband, has now moved a new lover into the Spanish home where Stephen died. And the family are very upset. But it was six years ago. I mean, I'm not really sure how long you're supposed to be, you know, sort of not doing anything at all. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. They had this uh, this place. It's a million-pound pad. This is the sixth anniversary of Stephen's death. And uh, his sister-in-law, Claire, fumed. Why would you choose to live in the house where your husband died? And my, and my question is to her, why don't you mind your own business, love? It was six years ago. It was six years ago. You're the, you're the, the sister-in-law. You know, and if his boyfriend... What do you expect him to do? Sit there in sackcloth and ashes for years? Good God, no. Why shouldn't it? What do you expect him to do? Sell the house? Why? Perhaps he's happy with that, uh, you know, with that situation. Or perhaps it makes him feel closer to him. I don't know. But what an odd thing to say. She says the family are still in dispute with Andrew over this uh, £1.5 million estate. And uh, it's a case of they're obviously not going to let it rest. I feel a bit sorry for them, really. Tragedy struck... You know, the boyfriend's moved on. He's found somebody else, which people do. Happens, happens all over the, all over the shop. And, uh, and he's moved him into the flat. What it's got to do with the sister-in-law, I've got no idea. Nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you at all. He can do what he wants with. He might have had other people living there. And if he feels closer to Stephen in the flat where he died, why not? As I said the other day, I mean, that's like the McCanns going back to Pride Delush and saying, uh, I don't think you should be renting out our apartment. I should imagine it was rented out after the end of about the four, first uh, six months. And there's other people living in there. You can't keep going back there, can you? Six years on, you've got to move on. And so uh, maybe not the best timed thing. You know, a little bit of respect would be nice. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. It's Sunday morning, the uh, the newspapers, and, of course, there's always, every year, you can guarantee, I could almost sort of go back a year and find exactly the same. Somebody appears on a television programme, and they're not wearing a poppy. Somebody is not wearing a poppy. And the person who wasn't was Sienna Miller. Graham Norton was wearing a poppy, and uh, Dame Maggie Smith and Alex Jennings, they were all wearing poppies. Sienna Miller wasn't the reason uh, being given, and there is no obligation for you to wear a poppy on any TV show or any newsreaders. You don't have to wear them if you don't want to wear one. But uh, the BBC have said, as I've just said, that people decide if they want to wear one. A source close to Sienna said she was wearing the poppy pin, but it was taken off as she went to air. It was pulling on the clothes. Or was it still attached to the person who was selling it or something? What do you mean, pulling on the clothes? The poppy pins are quite easy. I've got a little one, which is the rugby one. And uh, it was quite funny, actually, because I bought it in Waitrose on 
Friday. There was a man, they always have a table in Waitrose, and uh, they've got all the different poppies, and it's a metal pin, but it's because it's, it's Twickenham, it's a rugby poppy pin. And, uh, and so I gave him a tenner. And as opposed to just going, thank you, he went, I haven't got any change. I said, I don't want any change. Why would I want change? That's what I'm giving you. Ten. I said, just as well, I never gave 20. I would have given 20, actually. Doesn't, uh, I didn't see that as a hardship. And, uh, and I quite like it, actually, as well. So Sienna didn't wear one because it was pulling on her clothes. Oh, poor soul, honestly. You just, you should perhaps you buy another one, Sienna. You know, just to show your solidarity. Okay, just, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're going to pick on you because you're not wearing one, because it's your decision. Not everybody wants to wear a, a poppy. I just think... You know, if I can make you feel guilty about it and make you feel that maybe, you know, a lot of young men died so that you're here today. You know, if that makes you feel a bit worse about yourself, perhaps you might want to go out and get a poppy again and perhaps wear it the next time you're on television. It's only just a thought. I don't don't really bother me too much. I don't I don't look at people walking down the street and go, you're not wearing a poppy, you know, because I'm wearing a poppy. Uh, A special farewell to One Direction. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay, we've finally seen the back of them. And uh, they'll all discover drink and and relationships and all sorts of things. Isn't it funny, though, out of all the people with all the relationships in the group, the one person is the one who you've read about over the years, Harry Styles. Who is he never, ever pictured with? Women. Never pictured with women. I don't ever see Harry Styles walking down the street arm in arm with some girl he's supposed to be going out with. And I think that's a bit odd, isn't it? Why is he not pictured with all the... I mean, he's supposed to be, apparently, an absolute legend in the bedroom department. He must be. His PR keeps telling us how good he is. So, for goodness sake, let's have some pictures, you know. And mind you, I think they're actually trying to turn him into some global superstar. I don't want to be rude, but I just don't think it's going to be happening at all. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, yeah, the uh, Jerry and, uh, and Murdoch together. She's uh, 56, I think, and he's 84. God, I hope he's got a pacemaker. It's going to be a disaster otherwise, isn't it? The transgender classes for the four-year-olds. Four years old? Do they really, really know at four years old that they're into the into the wrong body? They might be. They might be. And the Happy Days star who's died at 96. Joanna Lumley says she can't wait to be 70. I know the feeling. Uh, Freddie in Chiswick. I don't believe he's in Chiswick or he's called Freddie either. Nobody lives in Chiswick. It's called Freddie. I mean, that's, that's a really old name, isn't it? Fred. Fred. What's your grievance with car booters? Shall I tell you what it is, pal? Shall I tell you? It's that they park in the road, on the road that I'm driving down, and they stand in the road having conversations. Hello? The brain cell is out. He said, we're nice people who are educated. Oh, cobblers, honestly. There's always one, isn't there? We're nice people who are educated. Well, you've been up and down the line, have you? And um, apparently the bloke who swung on the cenotaph was uh, Dave Gilmore's... uh, Ex-Pink Floyd. Yes, I know. It's his uh, adopted son, isn't it? He was demonstrating at the Chinese visit. I know. I did. Do you remember after, after he got sent to prison? Because I'm, as far as I'm concerned, you swing on the cenotaph, you might as well go trample on the graves of the soldiers who died. And, uh, and he went to prison. And then his mother goes in the paper saying, oh, it's absolutely outrageous. He shouldn't be in prison. <laughs> you are joking, of course, aren't you? I'd have put him in prison for a long, long time. Uh, Mason Noyes... Is apparently, it's got to be a made-up... Nobody's called Mason Noise, are they? Perhaps it's sort of a play on Make Some Noise. But um, he's been slammed as a love rat. Well, that's a big surprise. He cheated on his glamour model girlfriend. Oh, but that's OK. That's OK. It's all right to cheat on glamour models because they're a bit thick. You can do that with glamour... You, you can't do it with, with proper catwalk models because they're, they're more intelligent. Glamour models, they just take their clothes off. So that's it. You can cheat on them. That's it. They, they just expect it. They're actually grateful to actually get a McDonald's Happy Meal at the end of the night. You know, they're not looking for anything more than a kebab in a box. Seriously, I mean, a glamour model's dead cheap to take care. They'll do anything, seriously. Would you like some Prosecco, darling? Yeah, yeah. And there they are. They practically crawl over people to get to you. 
We know because I've, I've been to clubs where you can always spot them. They've generally got their boobs half hanging out of their dresses. And you see them in the papers going, I can't believe he like cheated on me. And they always seem a bit surprised, really, whereas I could have laughed. I think it's quite funny. Well, most of it's quite, uh, quite funny. Uh, give me justice. Da, 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 da. Uh, Royals at the rugby. Oh, they managed to drag Prince Philip out there. What's that next to him? Oh, it's an oxygen cylinder. It's quite nice, actually, to see old Prince Philip going out there. We love him to pieces. And William and Harry. Oh, William must be thinking, oh, we're going out for the day with, uh, with Grandad. Oh, God, Harry's here again. Harry Billy No Mates, or Harry No Mates. Why can't they just fix him up with somebody? Harry was apparently giving the thing away because the Queen was obviously busy doing something else that day or not really wanting to. I mean, I don't think the Queen wants to go to rugby, does she? Why would she want to go to rugby? Everybody was very well behaved. But uh, I, I was talking to some people the other day who have businesses in Twickenham. I said, has the, has the, the rugby been really good for business? And they went, not really, no. Because the moment England were out, all the other countries, they don't drink. They, I mean, they, they don't drink like, like the British people drink. You know, the Brits go out, like, yeah, woo, singing and everything else. Well, you can't get, you know, people from New Zealand singing hi-ho, silver lining. They just, they just don't sing it. They just don't do stuff like that. So the pubs did OK. The restaurants didn't do it. You know, because people just don't want to spend the money. They'd rather go to Greg's and buy sort of, you know, four sausage rolls for the price of three and then go to the corner shop and then go and get six cans of Stella. You know, and then but and yet, funny thing is, on the way to the rugby ground, because I always have a look every year, they charge like six quid for a pasty, six quid for a pasty that costs like a pound, six quid. The rugby fans are so dumb, some of them, and most of them just sit in a tent, sitting around watching it on on a big screen, because obviously they don't have big screens where they come from. But it all went quite well. Nobody was nobody was complaining about it. They're always very good natured. They don't they don't seem to make too much trouble. Not like not like sort of footy fans or car booters from Chiswick. You know, car booters from Chiswick. I mean, you kind of take your life in your hands going down there anyway. Uh, a lot of people telling me about um, about car boots. Funny, actually, I seem to get car booters listening to this programme. Go away. Go. Don't listen to this programme. It's not for you. This is not for you. Go, go, and, go and sell your, your tat. And you're talking to somebody who's done a car boot, so I can speak with some authority. Everybody wants to know what you've got, don't they? I used to cover it all up. I haven't got anything. And then I put prices on everything. And they stand there, don't they, pleading. You know, they sort of pick up something that's marked six quid and they go, I've only got a pound. And I go, well, you're not having it then, are you? And they stand there, something, you get a little tear, a little tear, they go, could, could, could I buy something else for a pound? No, nothing on this stall for you. Go away. Go away. Go and buy a burger or something like that. Hate them. Hate them. Loathsome people. Uh, Christina's probably leaving because she's not going to be giving up uh, any, with any married hunks to dance with. Because Christina Rianoff likes... In fact, generally the person she dances with, she ends up with, doesn't she? Not much chance with Daniel O'Donnell, because he is uh, already a married person. Doesn't stop her, though. And you know the reason she's thinking of leaving? Try not to laugh. Try not to laugh. I know it's not easy. She's, she's looking at various TV options. But <laughs> what? I mean, she can barely string two words together. What could you use her as? Perhaps she could be sort of glamour model type thing. Perhaps she could go off with Ola Jordan. Perhaps they could go and sort of start some sort of pole dancing club or something. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I think Christina Rianov... You know, they, they don't understand, do they? You have to try and explain it to people. Just because some of the, the papers put you in there doesn't mean that you've got any talent. It just means that you're a dancer. But, of course, if you come from Russia, where, where Christina Rianov comes from, and she's, she's, I think, supporting five people back over there... It's either you turn to dancing or hooking. There is, there's a very thin line between the two things. There's, no, there's not many job opportunities. I know because I saw Reggie What's-His-Face off the BBC doing a programme where they go and they look for the next Russian model. 
And these poor girls, some of whom are 14, 15, have to parade around in little bikini things while dirty old men sort of scrutinise them. It's horrible. It's like a cattle market. He felt really sorry for them. I felt equally sorry. So I suppose you either do that or you learn to, uh, you learn to dance. I learned to be a radio presenter. So much easier. Uh, a lot uh, going on down on the uh, embankment. A lot of people still talking about uh, about raves and stuff like that and inquiring as to how I know so much about them because I'm this age. We used to have them, uh, you know, properly. We used to have sort of proper raves years and years and years ago. And, uh, and Joanne says, Steve, you got the offer of an interview with Tom Jones or Nick who? Grimshaw? Yes. And... Um, it's Tom Jones who actually got it, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, I, I cannot imagine that poor old Alan Carr's chatty man. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a, a case of, have they got somebody researching on that programme? Because if the best he can get is Yvette Fielding and Nick Grimshaw, something, something is not quite right. Because Dame Maggie Smith, apparently, you know, the legend, last time she appeared on television was with Michael Parkinson, and that was 42 years ago. And she comes back to do an interview and she decides Graham Norton. Alan Carr must be gutted. Gutted. Ridiculous. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And we put uh, everything in on the programme. Every text, every email. We read them all out. Good, bad or indifferent. Why? Because we're just particularly caring this morning. Because it's Sunday and it's the first of the month. Which means that you've now got, was it 52 sleeps left until Christmas? 52. Uh, Danny Cohen says a friend bought the Caroline Flack autobiography. He said it was perfect to put under the table's wonky leg. I totally agree. I can't imagine why anybody would ever buy it. She's only about 12. Why would you want to buy an autobiography of somebody who hasn't actually done anything? Claim to fame, she apparently, allegedly, alluded to going out with Harry Styles. But there again, everybody's been out with Harry Styles. It's 6.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 25 minutes to seven. Big Al from Happy Days has died. That was Al Molinaro. Uh, he played Big Al in the sitcom. He was 96. He, was, he just got bigger and bigger as the series went through. And uh, if you've never seen Happy Days, then you wouldn't know him at all. But uh, he was a great character, as indeed they all were in that thing. Do you know what I've just realised? I get a lot of tweets, a lot of retweets from fit people. You know, from people who, who work in the fitness business. I mean, I've lost track of how many people... I suppose it's the time that we're up in the morning. People who are into fitness go out there and uh, and they do start working, don't they, uh, first thing in the morning. So, in other words, it's nothing for people to get up and go for a go for a run or something like that. And I get all sorts of people. I get models and... Um, what was the one I got this morning? I got one from uh, uh, somebody who's just off down the gym. Uh, then I got one from... Uh, Life in Spandex, who's a personal trainer. Ben Williamson is a, an international cover model. He's also a gym owner. So there you go. So that's obviously... Why do, why do I get all the fit people? Isn't that bizarre? It's probably because it's this time of the morning and it's better than listening to music, I suppose. Uh, Catherine says, when I was a teen, I worked as a chambermaid at uh, the hotel in Park Street above uh, Gavroche. And Tom was a guest. He left all the cleaning staff a huge tip. Out of all the stars that stayed there, he was the biggest tipper. Yes, I mean, I, I, I can quite believe that. And I'll tell you for why. It's because if you listen to the interview, you'll realise that there's no airs and graces with Tom Jones. He freely admits to loving a drink. He loves drinks. And as he says, he could happily sit down in a pub and just chat to people. And, uh, and then if a house band came on, he would more than likely get up and sing. Because that's what he does. He's been doing it since he was 16 years old. And he so, shows no sign of slowing down. If you watch the, uh, the DVD 
on the line, the video that we uh, that we recorded, you'll see he, he looks absolutely fantastic, and he was in uh, he was in fine form. He really was, because some people say, you know, when you get to a certain age, you want to slow down a little bit. No slowing down with him. No slowing down with him. Um, who got kicked off Strictly, says Jackie. Would you like to know? Yeah, I would, actually. I'm not going to tell people who it is, because you remember one person complained last time. Steve Allen Gaveway, who's been kicked off Strictly. I'm, I'm always hoping it's somebody we don't like. That's the whole reason, isn't it? So far, we've managed to get rid of all the nasty ones. And um, Mark in Wakefield, have you seen Jodie Marsh making babies? Um... No, there's an interview with her in some... Which paper has put her in, actually? There was, it might be, actually, the Daily Star. They're about the only paper who's interested, I think, in in her. Is it the Daily Star? Let's have a quick look. Might be. Oh, so far, not, not, no. I found a man who's addicted to HP sauce. He can drink it straight out the bottle. He can literally drink sauce out the... I mean, I, I do like HP sauce. I'll tell you what I did like the other day, and it's, it's not... Oh, she's in... Oh, Joni Marsh is in... Uh, it's in the Daily Star. Unfortunately, she's still the same gobby little nobody that she was before. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not always PC to say that you like bad food. But I did have yesterday, I went to McDonald's. I was doing some shopping. Because uh, of the rugby, you've got to get in and out as fast as possible because the fans start arriving early. And, and they, you can always tell that they're, they're fans. They just wander up and down the I Street. They've got nothing to do. They just wander up and down the I Street. And then they eventually end up at the stadium taking pictures and that kind of stuff. And so I thought, I'll nip into McDonald's and try one of their new bacon and sausage... McMuffin type things. God, it was delicious. Absolutely. They always say to you, and it confuses them. You want um, tomato ketchup with that? No, I can put my own ketchup on if I want any. Brown sauce? No, just by itself. And it was delicious. I think it comes with onions and cheese, and it was just delicious. I ate it, and I thought, God, I could eat two. I thought, no, that's bad. Don't eat two. For goodness sake, don't eat two, please. Um, great interviews this morning, says Ian. Knowing your keen interest in health, I was awaiting your question to Sir, John, uh, Sir Tom's regime. You said he had fruit for breakfast, then straight to a break. Do you know what they generally do? Whenever the, the guest comes in, whoever is recording, if it's Faye who's actually recording it. First of all, we have the, uh, the video crew downstairs, and they're also talking to us, going, OK, just move the microphone a little bit, so you've got to make sure that the, uh, the LBC logo is visible. So we have that. And then to get a bit of level, as opposed to saying, so just tell us something about yourself, she always says the same thing to this. She always says, tell us what you had for breakfast. And so while, while they tell... And most of them don't have breakfast. Most of them just have a piece of fruit, and that's about all it is. And, and I think as you actually get a little bit older, then you do actually... Um, you do actually sort of end up uh, eating something healthy. Oh, right, that's who got kicked off. Oh, was it? Oh, it's a shame. I quite like them. <laughs> I don't really. It doesn't really matter to me. I haven't seen the programme, so it doesn't matter. Can't be another year already, says Jim. It's the London to Brighton Classic Car Race, and it's not raining. Did you know that it was sponsored now? The London to Brighton never used to be sponsored. I used to go, we used to do pieces on LBC, and we used to do it, tell you the other thing we used to do which was absolute rubbish. We used to do the Beaujolais run. Do you remember the Beaujolais run, where people would sort of race over to France, buy the Beaujolais, and then bring it back? And it wasn't until we got some few years into it that I suddenly realised you don't need to go to France. It's here already. It's in a warehouse. It's bonded. It's just that they don't release it till midnight. Because we used to have people turning up in one of our studios going, we've got the first Beaujolais back. And we go, oh, lovely. It always tasted like paint stripper. I always imagined that it was the French trying to offload another load of naff wine. Not that I'm the biggest fan of French wine, but the red wine was ghastly. This Beaujolais Nouveau, they go, oh, it's the new wine. Oh, it's horrid. Seriously, even the dog turned its nose up at it. And we'd, um, and we'd actually sort of get there. So now you get, and it is, it's definitely sponsored. I'm pretty certain. I'm pretty, sponsor, uh, pretty certain it's sponsored, but I can't remember who it is actually now. 
who actually brings you the London to Brighton run, where all these old cars... It's lovely. There you go. Bonhams, London to Brighton run. The auction house is now sponsoring it. Do you know, have you ever seen it before? Oh, it's fantastic. Lots and lots of very, very old cars, which your uh, grandparents would probably remember. And, uh, and they, they pootle down. They did a great film about it, uh, the London to Brighton run, years and years ago, and it was called Genevieve. And it was a really good British film. Really good fun. Really good fun. And people do everything. You see some of these vehicles and you think they're never going to make it. They puff and belch their way around. And some of them are worth serious money. I mean, it would be nothing. I was watching... Uh, nothing to find a car in this thing worth half a million. Seriously, nothing at all. I was watching the Eamon and... Oh, uh, the Eamon and Ruth programme the other day, which is where they go and find the super rich. Now, of course, the super rich love talking about the fact that they're super rich. And so they discover a Russian guy and he's been married and he's got two children and his father is, uh, is a Russian oligarch and his father's worth about two and a half billion. So they've got serious money. He, he was using his father's private aeroplane, which they just about managed to push Eamon into. So they got him in there and they go over to Russia and his father has built this huge estate, which is all for rich people. So he's got a house over there which is worth 25 million, which actually in, in Russian terms, that's, that, that's, that's quite a lot actually in Russian terms. But the trouble is, all I kept thinking was, there's nobody around. He's only ever slept in the house, I think something like 11 times since it's been built. They're all brand new builds, but they're huge places with, you know, marble ballrooms and swimming pool. There's the swimming pool in this house, in this guy's young, this young guy's house, is, is the biggest swimming pool in the country. It's absolutely enormous. It's marble staircases, a kitchen. He'd never even been in the kitchen. And there's one housekeeper who said, once you've actually got it here, it just needs dusting because everything's marble. It was, it, was, it was lovely. And then they went to a car dealer where they were looking at the supercars, the supercars which the rich can afford. And one of them they brought out. He said, how much is this one? He said, this one is worth 20 million. I mean, I can't even... How do you get insurance? As Eamon pointed out, who insures people for a 20 million pound car? Absolutely unbelievable. I found it a fascinating programme. Ruth, of course, gets to stay in London with the, uh, with the new money which is coming in from Nigeria, if you please. The home of the scams. That's where most scams emanate from, Nigeria. And they've got women there who think nothing of spending. They said upwards of 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 on a wedding. And, uh, and I looked at it and I thought, oh, that's nice. And they, they, there's certain places. The one place which is top of the Nigerian wedding planner list is Kensington Palace. They like Kensington Palace because I think it's got royal connections. And they, and they, th- and they think nothing of spending a lot of money on, on the jewellery and the diamonds. And Vera Wang wedding dresses apparently are at the top of the list. And they can go up to £100,000 for a wedding dress. You're only going to wear it once. I'll be wearing it every day. I'll be wearing it down to Asda, all sorts of places. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, where's McDonald's in Twickenham? We haven't got one. I haven't got one. I didn't say I was in Twickenham. I just said I went for a McDonald's. I didn't say it was in Twickenham. We don't have one. Our, ours actually went out of business, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know why. We've got one on the, uh, on the roundabout at the, uh, at the top. Uh, another one says uh, I shall be watching the, uh, the Brighton uh, car race. Oh, it'll, be, it'll be on the television. They'll have all these lovely cars as they puff and belch their way into Brighton. And thank God. I'll, I will tell you what the weather is very shortly, actually, because I don't want you uh, to miss out today. Just in case you're thinking of doing something. Uh, exciting, and you're thinking, is it going to rain? And the answer is, hopefully it's not going to rain. Hopefully it's not. Wait a minute, see if I can find... What's Victoria done for the weather? Dull start, low cloud. A lot of fog about. 
Load of people driving in town with their uh, fog lamps on. Totally illegal, of course. Anyway, it's going to clear. Places remaining cloudy and chilly for much of the day. Some warm sunny spells where the cloud just break through. And the high today, 13 degrees, which is it's not the best you're ever going to get on a Sunday, is it? But it's still OK. Still not not bad at all, 13 degrees. Uh, good conversations, says Richard, with Sir Tom. You can tell a yarn. I can imagine you could sit down. If that's what he's like sober, you imagine what, what, what he's like over a, over a couple of, couple of bevies. Seriously. Oh, shit. God, he'd tell you anything. He would absolutely tell you anything. He's what I'd call a proper celebrity. He can hobnob with the rich and famous, and I can imagine him holding court in a pub, says Richard. Absolutely. He says, can't wait to get the book. Does it come with the album as a package? I think, do you know, I think it might... I think it might. I don't want to say it does in case it doesn't, but it's certainly out at the same time. Out at the same time. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. It's quarter to seven. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. I found another fitness person. Uh, Josef Rakic is uh, voted the world's uh, number one online trainer. Grief, honestly, I seem to have started some sort of cult going on here. And uh, everybody else is doing the fitness thing except me and Ed. Gleave has very kindly sent me a picture of, uh, of Chris Gold's new look. He shaved the beard off. That's <laughs> the first thing I noticed. He shaved the beard off. And uh, I quite like it, actually. He's, he's, he's liking it a bit too much, isn't he? In fact, he's liking it quite a lot. Ed's story is on the front page of the Daily Star today, which is Danny Dyer in Haunted Home Terror. I swear to God, my old house was haunted. I'm sure there was a ghost in Danny's bedroom. I think there's probably ghosts everywhere, aren't there, really? I should imagine. But uh, thank you for that, Ed. <laughs> Honestly, what are we going to do with him? What are we going to do with him? Answer, we have no idea at all. And um, uh, I, I, I said to my friend Ian, because he's just come back from America, and, uh, and I said, you've, you've got to watch the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Just type in on, on YouTube, Mormon Tabernacle Choir and Christmas. And that's it. And then you just and you just watch it, and it's great. And my friend Fat, who's a radio presenter up north, I've got lots of radio presenters up north as well. He uh, just keeps writing nice things about me. So I said I need to send you some money. Would a pound cover it? And he went a pound. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> so I think a pound was worth it. This story that we had last week on the program. It's even more bizarre this week. This is a, a convicted rapist. Okay, his name is Malcolm Millman. He's fifty-eight. Okay, put this put this in all in one little box. Convicted rapist. He has fled from a mental health unit. Uh, They've warned that he poses a serious risk to young girls and women. So he's in a mental health unit in Milton Keynes and he's allowed on an unsupervised visit to a monastery which he goes to and promptly vanishes from. He's been seen at Manchester Airport. He was convicted in rape of 1996, and he's unsupervised. And now they're telling us that he's a danger to young uh, girls and to women. And you have to ask the question, don't you? What in God's name was he doing on an unsupervised visit? Are there lots of people like that out there? The answer is probably, and they go, don't approach him. I don't think we've got any intention of approaching him. Uh, Avril says, very sad about the rave in Lambeth. Still ongoing, I believe. Yeah, I believe there are people actually at a rave. But there again, I suppose, if, if you take drugs and you've got nowhere to go, you either sort of stand in the middle of the road and think you're a traffic island, uh, or you go to a, a rave and sort of stand there with another bunch of idiots who've taken loads of uh, drugs. Uh, I hope it doesn't interfere with the vintage car run to Brighton, which starts at 7, because uh, that's very near that route, over Westminster Bridge, down the A23 to Streatham. Is that some, does it start at 7? Mind you, some of them will still be going at lunchtime, won't they? 
You have to laugh at it, but I love seeing them. Some of the cars are absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, by the way, here we go. You're going to tell me this. No, 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 seriously, Steve. A new book claims the Loch Ness Monster never existed. It was dreamt up as a PR stunt uh, by uh, in, in a pub. Science historian Gareth Williams says Nessie was invented in the 1930s by a public relations guru called D.G. Geraghty. He claims that Geraghty was hired by some hotel owners in Scotland to revive trade during the Depression. So they came up with this Loch Ness Monster. Now, I've been telling people for years it doesn't exist. Of course it doesn't exist. Don't be so silly. It's that one badly doctored photograph from years ago which shows the head of something sticking it. It could have been anything, but it certainly isn't a Loch Ness Monster. There is nothing in there. The lock is too dark. There's people who've lived by the side of the lock. There's a Japanese guy who's lived there for the past God knows how many hundreds of years, and uh, he scanned the lock every day. It's all videoed. Nothing there, OK? Not a log, not a piece of tree, not a twig, not a Loch Ness Monster, who by this time must be fairly ancient. Uh, there are no underwater caves. There's nothing. It doesn't go out to sea and then come back in again. It's just bewildered people. You know, you can go to Loch Ness and you will find some barking mad buffoon wearing a kilt going, I saw the monster came out of the deep. And of course, it didn't. It never has. They're alcoholics. Okay, these people believe that they see anything. You know, you could get a kid's blow-up toy to go down to the beach with, which would look more realistic. And you would think in this day and age with the beautiful quality camera phones that we've got, that seriously, you could take a picture of the Loch Ness Monster if this thing breathes. Quite clearly, it doesn't breathe because it's dead. It's dead because it doesn't exist. Any people who think it exists, as I say, are alcoholics and the bewildered. People who should have been locked up years ago. Oh, dear. I mean, we all knew it was a joke, but it's an industry now. You know, why, you can come to Scotland and take away a little present. And there was a film on the television with Ted Danson, where the Loch Ness Monster comes back. I mean, just reinforcing it. You know, because the bewildered like to believe in things like that. They, I mean, they seriously do. They want to believe in crop circles. They want to believe in little green men. They want to believe in E.T. They want to believe in spaceships. They want to believe that out there somewhere in a galaxy far, far away, there's a bunch of green three-headed monsters who are watching us. That's what they want to believe. They like that kind of thing. They want to believe you can talk to dead people. You can't. They're dead. OK? You know, they can't prove it. We can't prove they don't. So we sort of, we go along with it, don't we? It's a case of, oh, right, so you talk to dead people. Yes, they're, they're, the reason I'm talking to them is because they haven't crossed over. What a load of codswallop. Uh, our boys, says Noreen, all tried the sausage McMuffin or whatever it's called. Last says they loved it. I thought it was great. I don't often rave over things like that. <laughs> Seriously, but I thought it was quite a nice combination. Even the bun's different. And it doesn't come wrapped in paper. It comes wrapped in a, in a box. So I, I was a bit excited. They always go, limited period only. What for? If it's popular, why do you just not keep it? Much easier. Brilliant time in Blackpool yesterday. Tired, though. Uh, home to watch the dancing. Then on to um, see who was out. Uh, when going on to one of these uh, forums. Yes, I mean, I, I now know who is uh, who is out. I'm not going to spoil it, actually. Uh, can you send love to our Tracy, please? Famous for seeing Taui stars in Chinese takeaways. So, Tracy, have a... Uh... Lovely, lovely day, which I'm sure you uh, will. And uh, <coughs> enjoyed, says little Julie, both in conversations. And um, got to see the Red Arrows as they flew over Twickenham Stadium. One to keep an eye out for, for Come Dine With Me. They're going to uh, come, uh, come dine with me in Feltham. They're asking for applicants. They've just arrested somebody in Feltham, haven't they? Some boy, apparently, on a computer in Feltham. Can you imagine? But uh, uh, no chance of that other thing ever happening. Certainly not now. 
Certainly not now. Uh, very quickly, let's go back to some more of these. Uh, Lucy Pinder isn't a thick glamour model. I don't even know who she is. I'm sorry, Philip. No idea. She was a university student when somebody discovered her on the beach in Bournemouth. Ooh, look at that, honestly. Discovered on a beach in Bournemouth. How exciting. <laughs> and um, has Chucka Amuna made good his escape with this new woman? Uh, they're they're going to get married, aren't they? Going to get married. Mind you, Ryland's going to get married. Thank goodness for that. That takes somebody else off the uh, the market. The uh, they've obviously they they've told the uh, the, uh, the the wedding guest list not to take any cameras. So that's an okay wedding then. They've had to sell it. Obviously, he needs the money. He's not exactly chock a block with work, is he really? Uh, what's Jerry Hall doing with Rupert Murdoch? Uh, well, that itself is uh, is a. It's a very good question. I mean, she's 56, I suppose. She needs somebody rich to look after her. I should imagine her needs are quite sort of, are quite many. Would you not think so? Jerry Hall, I should imagine, she's a bit of a, bit of a handful. She's got that ghastly Texan accent. I mean, that's enough to drive you insane in the first five minutes. So I said to Mick, I said that, you know, down south. And so it goes, oh, ghastly, ghastly. I'm still trying to get over this, uh, this, this bloke who sort of eats HP sauce. He doesn't just eat HP sauce. He puts it on everything. In fact, I, I thought he was dipping a chip into HP sauce. No, 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 no. A Kit Kat. He's dipping a Kit Kat. And um, he says, uh, his name's uh, Henri Lejeune. He spends 150 quid a year on Daddy sauce and HP sauce and Tesco's Everyday Brown sauce. And, and he drinks it out of the bottle. I mean, he appears to be relatively normal, but quite clearly he obviously isn't. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to drink that, are you? Dreadful. Uh, modern classic run today, says Mark. The vintage car run is mid-November. Well, we're in November. We're into November now. We're into the 1st of November. It's pinch and a punch for the first day of the month and no returns, which is good. And uh, here's a picture of Jerry Hall out with... I mean, I don't know. Perhaps it, perhaps she's, she's a trophy girlfriend. Perhaps he's got to that age. And um, and he took her to the World Cup. You think she actually... And then, and then they're pictured kissing. She, of course, goes into that sort of, oh, I'm being photographed kind of uh, mode. And, uh, and that's, that, that's quite interesting. Uh, lots of people talk about Save the Children. Bit of a scandal probably going on down there. Bit of a scandal going on at the RSPCA. They can't find anybody who wants the top job. They really can't. I mean, they're in, they're in a terrible state. And it's not just Talk Talk who've been uh, hacked. Apparently hackers hit 14 new firms and sell your details on the dark web. Have you ever heard of the dark web? Somebody explained what it was to me the other day. I've never even heard of it before. The dark web, which is all very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. But sort of the kind of thing that you sort of you worry about a little bit and you think, I don't go there at all. So if, if you've ever put any details in online, there is a chance that somebody somewhere has actually managed to uh, to access them, which I think is uh, is very odd, isn't it? Oh, wait a minute. Just to sort of go back onto this here. I've just done. That's better. Sometimes the, the computer plays silly beggars. Would you like to log them off and continue? Yes, thank you. And uh, also the transgender classes. That's the one that's in the paper today for four year olds. For four-year-olds, I didn't actually know that at four years old, they um, they understood about things like this, uh, including a man who revealed to primary school classes that he's a trans man and was assigned female at birth. Thousands of pupils have had these controversial classes. Uh, up to twenty primary schools a year pay for the classes given by the campaigners' organisation, Gendered Intelligent Intelligence. Parents groups have reacted with concern. It is a bit odd for. 
for sort of four-year-olds, isn't it, really? I mean, you know, it's, it's a bit like auto-suggestion. Do you think maybe you like wearing women's clothing? Well, at four years old, kids like dressing up. You know, boys play with dolls, girls play with cars. That doesn't necessarily set out their, their sexuality. But when you're looking at something as serious as transgender, then you really have to sort of make sure you've got uh, all the right information. Coming up very shortly, the news at 7 o'clock this morning. And uh, Ryland's wedding, a source of, uh, of great pleasure and the official... Nobody wants to be the boss of the toxic RSPCA. News coming up uh, now, though, and it's, uh, it's going to be with Peter Ferris this morning. Plus Facebook, used by 7 in 10 groomers. Uh, the special farewell gig in Sheffield for the One Direction fans. I'll be glad to see the back of them, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the scientists who say, believe it or not, we've all got, in the world, about seven doubles. Seven doubles. In fact, I did see my doubles some years ago. They're in London. They're probably all over the place, actually. And what else we have? We still betray people with mental illnesses. And uh, the Express comes up with, did a German serial killer snatch Maddie? You have to ask yourself the question that this one is going to run and run and run. And is, uh, is Hugh Grant going to settle down in Sweden? He might. All of that and more, other side of the news at seven. On Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday, the 1st of November. The furious war of words on who downed the holiday jet. ISIS say it was them. Russia is saying it can't be. Did a German serial killer snatch Maddie McCann? We still betray people with mental illnesses. Simon and me drink vodka and talk ideas for new TV shows, says Cheryl. Christina may quit strictly, I think probably because she's uh, dropped... Uh, Ryland's wedding, a source of very great pleasure for nobody but him, and he's obviously sold it to a magazine, so it's going to be very dreary. wonder who'll be wearing more makeup, him or the people he works with. Probably him, I should imagine. Uh, Facebook used by 7 in 10 groomers, and uh, the special farewell gig in Sheffield for the One Direction fans. Will they ever recover? Probably not. You have to try and work out, don't you, in between the lines of whether the Beckhams have actually bought this pile in the Cotswolds, or whether or not it's just a bit of PR puff. Because now they're selling their French villa to help pay for this Cotswold estate, somebody says here, the diary editor. And uh, adieu, Beckenham Palace Sumer. Uh, but apparently they've hardly ever been in this house. Hardly ever been there. And so, and they spend most of their time in Los Angeles. So now they've bought the pile, so they say. I'm not totally convinced they bought this thing yet. Um, down there for £27 million. Yet they've got a place in Notting Hill, which has cost them... Well, that, that was rumoured to be worth £50 million, but, of course, you can get uh, much bigger... Plumber, you could get uh, Michael Winner's house for 17 so why they'd want to spend even more, I can't imagine. And so what they seem to be doing is sort of moving around, just inheriting properties. And surely they're so rich, why would they need to sell a French villa to help pay for the Cotswold estate? They wouldn't. They're worth something like £200 million, aren't they? So that there would be no point at all in doing it. But I'm, I'm not totally convinced that all of this is genuine. I think it's just in an effort to keep the boring Beckhams inside the newspapers because there's a story about them just about every single day. I don't think a day goes by where I don't open up the newspapers and there's a story about the Beckhams. It's either sort of Dave is pushing pumpkins out in a... In a um, in a wheelbarrow from a farmer's market, or it's Victoria's wearing oversized glasses, and then uh, and jetting off from either Los Angeles or jetting off from this country or jetting into somewhere else. It's the same. Or failing that, Brooklyn then posts a picture, doesn't he? You watch. You wait till Harper Beckham gets her own PR agency. She'll be in the papers every single day. Thousands spent on headhunters, but nobody, but nobody wants to be the new boss of the toxic RSPCA. It's in the midst of a, a leadership crisis. 
Uh, the Mail on Sunday have learnt that three leading contenders have been uh, have passed up on the role amid concerns over the poor finances and infighting over the animal welfare charity. The last incumbent, Gavin Grant, left 20 months ago due to ill health and after pursuing high-profile political campaigners against hunting, the Badger Cull and the Grand National. Since then, the reputation has been rocked by financial crises, accusations of bullying tactics. And I've often wondered, we've had stories before about the RSPCA where people have phoned up. Didn't we have somebody a short while ago, somebody famous? There was somebody famous. It was Kay Burley. And she'd phoned them up so they could come and sort of look after a dog that was in a park. And they went, it's nothing to do with us. And so she's taken them out of her will. She's decided that if they can't be bothered. And I can remember we actually phoned them up once to come and do something. They went, don't worry, they'll sort it out for themselves. Mind you, tell them as a film crew there, they'll be there like a shot, won't they? Because I do like watching all these programmes about animals, and I'm, I'm a bit of an animal campaigner, because I think nobody else speaks for them, so you'd better find somebody on the radio or on the television. But nobody wants to be the boss of it. Lots of infighting. They don't have charity shops, do they, the RSPCA? It must be one of the only, the only people who do not have a charity shop. And yet, you can always guarantee, can't you, there'll be very expensive adverts on the television, and they're basically sort of saying, you know, would you like to save this sort of little doggy? Would you like to save this? Would you like to save that? And, uh, and then people feel, feel guilty about it. People feel absolutely awful. They go, oh, I can't bear to see animals suffering. You know, you've seen the donkeys suffering on the television. Uh, Kids Company. You knew there'd be a story about Kids Company. Being a Sunday morning, there's got to be a story about the the woman who's obviously in complete denial. Uh, They blew thousands on a hypnotist at 240 quid an hour. Uh, Trevor Sylvester, a former police officer and a martial arts enthusiast, has no government-recognised qualifications, prompting MPs to question the charity's duty of care. But, of course, she couldn't care less. She couldn't care less at all. Who's she answerable to? Nobody. Nobody. I just, I'm, I'm still curious, and I'm always waiting for the papers to do something on it. Where does she live? Does she have a big house? Does she in a little bedsit somewhere? You know, she must have a huge blooming wardrobe just to accommodate all the outfits. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Sylvester was personally appointed by Kids Company founder Camilla in 2011 and continued to work with the charity, and it closed in July with 600 job losses amid claims of financial chaos and sexual abuse. But he's got no experience very odd, isn't it? He's not a member of the government recognised health and care profession council as hypnotherapy is not overseen by mainstream watchdog, but practitioners set up their own self-regulating national council for hypnotherapy, of which he's a fellow. He removed all mention of Kids Company from his website after he was contacted by the Mail on Sunday, but otherwise refused to contact them or to make any comment at all. It's very odd, isn't it? Kids Company's biggest cabinet cheerleader is a governor of an elite girls' boarding school where Camilla was educated. Sherborne Girls' School in Dorset, boarding fees 32000 a year, now gives free or low-cost places to the charity's clients. Its governors include Cabinet Office Minister Oliver Letwin, who insisted on making a three mi- <coughs> excuse me a £3 million grant to Kids Company against the advice of Whitehall Mandarins. It's absolutely appalling, isn't it? They just seem to be throwing money at her. To do what? Nothing. There's no evidence of anything. No evidence of anything. I haven't seen loads of kids. You know, if they were looking after 600 kids, why have they not invited them all to turn up at the Royal Albert Hall so we can find out exactly what they did for them? That'd be an interesting one, wouldn't it? That would be very, very interesting. A little bit exciting. Look, next Saturday, free in the Daily Mail, breathalyser testers. Just what you need. Protect your life and your licence, they say. Breathalyser testers. Oh, dear me. Uh, Jeremy Thorpe left £220,000. That was the former Liberal leader, Jeremy Thorpe. Uh, he also left a treasure trove of political memorabilia, including a walking stick and a cigar box once owned by David Lloyd George. His, pol- his 
estate was valued at only just over 220,000. Oh, it can't have been. It can't have been, honestly. If you remember, actually, he, he sort of fell from grace when he was accused of conspiring to murder Norman Scott, a former male model who claimed to have been his lover. Uh, although Thorpe was acquitted at the Old Bailey, his political career never recovered. But he left the National Liberal Club. I've been there. That's a fascinating place. His collection of photos of world leaders. Only £220,000. That's really odd, isn't it? You'd think these people would leave a lot more money. But there again, I was, I was surprised by uh, many politicians who die. And, um, and they don't seem to have the sort of money you would think that they had. Uh, the Agony of the Dancing Bears. If you're an animal lover, you won't want to read this in the paper today. It's not uh, not pleasant. The bears that are snared by poachers, beaten and forced to perform for tourists. And uh, and there's one particular pop star. Oh, it's Molly King. We often wondered which charity she was going to align herself with. And it's going to be the Dancing Bears. They've been around for ages, actually. You can find them all over the world. They do, you know, people people have dancing bears. It's quite disgusting, but other people have no idea how to survive unless they have dancing bears. Uh, Corrie's Ryan is on the front of the Sunday Mirror this morning. It's a very odd story about uh, who he's hanging around with. And it's obviously not the right sort of people. The one here... They say he was at a, a drug fueled party. No suggestion he was doing anything at all uh, with a suspected thug that he's known for years. This is a guy called uh, Anthony Meehan. And uh, Anthony Meehan is understood to be a family friend. And they go way back. Uh, somebody suggested the actor had been unwise to mix in such company. They just like it, don't they? I mean, some of these people, when, when they're actors, you have to remember the fact that they've uh, that they have a life before they appeared on the television and before they became famous so it is highly likely that they will know people who walk on the wrong side it would be quite easy uh to actually you know be aligned with them this particular bloke uh, has disappeared after a warrant was issued by cops demanding a hand himself in. A source said Anthony Meehan's a very nasty man with a long history of offending. The police are uh, searching for him. You know, if you're a famous person on the television, the truth of the matter is you cannot afford to be seen hanging around. But um, I seem to remember that Ryan, this is the bloke who plays, uh, what's it, Grimshaw, isn't it? He plays Jason Grimshaw. I think he's been bankrupt twice, I'm pretty certain. Still seem to enjoy the party lifestyle. Oh, that you could all be bankrupt, ladies and gentlemen, and you could all enjoy the party lifestyle, though hanging around with the the wrong people, not so good. Oh, actually, having now talked about the RSPCA, apparently they do have charity shops. They do have charity shops. One in Kent, says Rob. Uh, one in Bath. Uh, one in Chippenham. And uh, Mark in Wakefield says the RSPCA do have charity shops in Yorkshire. We've got one in Great in Wakefield. Good Lord, really. Big business, isn't it, charity now? Really is big business. It's great, actually. Uh, Phil says, you saw your double in London. Was George Clooney visiting? No, it, it, I thought I was looking at a mirror. I was standing on the station. And I was sort of, I was, I was not doing anything in particular. And the, and the train pulls in on the opposite platform. And as the train pulls in... A bloke gets on and, and I look at him and I thought, that's me. He looked exactly the same as me. I was quite surprised. I was a bit taken aback, but of course I didn't have my phone. Because I think in those days I don't think we really had phones with cameras on them. And I remember thinking, that's me. And I came in and I was doing my programme that evening. And I said, I've just seen me. And you think to yourself, now that the scientists have said that we've all got seven doubles, I th I'm assuming that's in the whole wide world, I quite like to find my double. There must be one somewhere. And I wonder if we sort of, we've sort of changed at the same time. I suppose by the law of averages, if there's sort of 80 million of us in this country, there's a very good chance there might be somebody who looks a little bit similar to your good self. 
And, and you've had it before, haven't you, where somebody's got onto a train and they've sat down next to the person who's the spitting image of them. They're not related in any way, shape or form. They just happen to, uh, they just happen to look like the person. Uh, Eileen says, we've got a very good RSPCA charity shop in Ashford in Middlesex. Great show this morning. Yes, thank you. I've, uh, I've checked the figures, so we're, we're doing OK. Uh, bad weather in Spain today, says Angelina. Fire lit, listening to you with a coffee. Great show. Tom Jones, great interview. She's in Alicante. How lovely. Can you get toast out there? When I say toast, I mean, do you have a toaster in Alicante? If you went to a cafe in Alicante, could you have an English breakfast? <laughs> probably a stupid question. The answer is, of course you can probably have an English breakfast. Why not? Uh, I really enjoyed listening to Sir Tom Jones this morning. He's very down to earth, says Jan. Did you hear Dame Maggie Smith refer to Sir Ben Kingsley on Graham Norton's show? Very tongue-in-cheek. And have you seen the uh, war of words going on between Danny Dyer and James Jordan on Twitter? Well, nobody likes James Jordan, do they? I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to bitch with Danny Dyer. I mean, his, his uh, language is, uh, is quite ripe. Quarter past seven. Join me, Nigel Farage, tonight at ten o'clock, only on LBC. Not to be missed, and uh, that'll get the phone lines going, if nothing else. Uh, 21 minutes past seven. I was watching that programme the other day on the television, Four Rooms, and I think it's presented by Anita Rani, who went so far down in my estimation, because quite clearly the woman's an idiot. Quite clearly a copper-bottom, first-class idiot. They had uh, something on there, and it's an automata. An automata is, uh, is a mechanical marvel. Some were built years and years ago. Robert Houdin built loads, and they were very, very clever. There's some, if you look online, you'll see some fantastic automatas. Uh, some are in uh, museums. Uh, some play chess. Some play cards. Some smoke. Uh, one called Anthony Diablo actually performs on a bar. Literally, he's, he's a, a little automata. probably stands about, I don't know, two foot. And you put him on the bar and he goes through a series of exercises, all totally mechanical. And so they have somebody on there who's got an automata. This one has come out of a clock somewhere in London. I think it might have been Peckham or something like that. And uh, it's obviously quite a big figure. And it was worth probably about £1,000. Some of these other ones go for serious amounts of money. Anita Rani comes on and calls it an automator. An auto- I mean, I sat there. I had to replay it back to myself to realise just how dumb she was. And... Uh, an, or was it an auto... Whatever it was, she couldn't say the word automata. And I remember thinking, I think you've really let yourself down. If you don't know what, how it's pronounced, for God's sake, ask somebody there, because they could actually explain. Even though various people had called it an automata on the programme, she called it something. And I remember thinking, dear God, they're not the brightest pennies, are they, in the world on the uh, on the television presenting scale now? Uh, off to uh, to harvest saffron from crocuses today. Uh, an amazing project in Croydon, Crocus Valley, by Ali McKinley, says uh, Jan. Yes, hoping, Friday, hoping, hoping. I don't think there's any uh, any particular problem. And um, uh, Phil says, do you mean Deadly Dull Danny Dyer, the wooden top, the one-dimensional actor? Well, I know he's the one who swears a lot. <laughs> That's all I could tell you. He does swear an awful lot. And uh, I'm not going to reveal the results, even though I know who it is, who is uh, out. Lots of people telling me where these uh, these uh, shops are for the RSPCA, their uh, their charity shops. Buzz Rock says there's one in Preston Road and one in in Kenton. So at least I I know that now. Just in case I was thinking of uh, of going there to do something, and uh, and somebody else says there was why was somebody else says oh that's a, so I'm getting loads of, loads of fitness people now. I've obviously gone onto some sort of strange website where they say if you're a fit person, text him or tweet him as well. You're so right. 
says Raymond, uh, four years ago, I asked the RSPCA to attend a street cat that had broken its foot. I pleaded them. They did attend, but said it would be my responsibility for any further mishaps and wanted a donation. Yeah, I mean, I, the trouble is, as you well know, if, you, if you're a motorist and you run over a cat, you don't have to do anything about it. If you run over a dog, you have to report it. There's a legal requirement to report a dog, but you don't have to do anything if you run over a cat, which seems, seems slightly incongruous, doesn't it, really? I think cats are just as important. Uh, the ex-England star is marriage, but only after four months. This is uh, England and Man United ace Alan Smith. Apparently four months after his glitzy wedding, which was sold to a glossy magazine, it's all finished. He'd walked out on Christina. She apparently used to date Peter Andre, so she hasn't set her sights particularly high, has she? I didn't think so. TV Extra magazine, I do love it. It's got all the people in it you absolutely hate. On the front cover, Frankie Bridge, as was. Or no, she Frankie Bridge now. Whatever it is, she's, sort of, she's still sort of trying to sort of... The, uh, motherhood is my own most important job, these people drone on about. I mean, dear Lord above. It's like, who cares? Who cares? Ola, my adult acne made me self-conscious. That, that's the story. And then Amy Childs, I've got an empire now. I know, just the brain you haven't quite got, isn't it? And somebody told her she looked like a very young Joan Collins. <sighs> No, you don't. No, you don't. You really... I promise you, you don't. I promise you, you don't. Uh, another one here. says, uh, there's an RSPCA shop in Ashford in Middlesex. That's down. They're obviously all over the place, aren't they? Obviously all over the place. Uh, another one here. And this is uh, from uh, Phil. He says, did you hear Holly Botox Willoughby? I don't think she's had Botox. Has she had Botox? Unless she's admitted it. She does look good, though, doesn't she? She says Skellington as opposed to Skeleton on This Morning. Ne- nearly as good as Anita Rani. I know. Can you say the word automata? No, you can't, can you? Shame, really. And uh, a little Julie says, after hearing you tell Ruth Langsford about the Orange County wives, I'm going to have to take a... Oh, God, you've got to watch it. The, Orange Ca- the wives of Orange County are the, are, the, are the bitchiest people you've ever met. Considering that one of them professes to being Christian... I mean, she's the least Christian. They are vile. I mean, <laughs> seriously. You know, admittedly, the, the one that we've got over here, the Housewives of Cheshire, they're just a bunch of cheap chavs. They really are revolting. They, they don't contribute anything. They're not even in the same league. They're way out of it. Way out of it. The Housewives of Orange County are fantastic. And the Housewives of New York City, the Housewives of... What was the other one they did? Beverly Hills. Oh, God, they're all brilliant. But it's the Orange County ones who actually set it all off for me. And I sat there with my jaw on the, uh, the floor... It was absolutely wonderful, absolutely wonderful, and I, I just couldn't, um, I, I just couldn't get over how awful they all were to each other. <laughs> I'm surprised about the RSPCA," says Danny Cohen. The other Gary Hales. Oops, he said, I'm not that short. They were fantastic when I became aware of 22 cats and a Staffordshire dog that had been abandoned. I rang the Dogs Trust and the Cats Trust and the local animal shelter. It was only the RSPCA willing to help, not having. Uh, you know, sort of heard of that before, so that was good, yeah. There's always going to be good stories, isn't there? There's always going to be good stories, bad stories, about just about everybody, actually. And uh, another one here says, Ruth, says, I'm a pre-op transgender and have known since I was four. Are you sure at four you really understand what transgender is? I thought at four you were just discovering toys, aren't you, really? I don't believe that somebody at four understands that. I think you can be conditioned into thinking that maybe... You know, you knew about it. But I, I just don't believe at the age of four years old, you know that you're in a, you're in a wrong body. I just, I just don't, uh, don't believe it. But that's only because I'm not transgender. So there you go. I like the story in the paper today. This, I mean, this is the stupidest story you've ever heard. This is a cop, 
a burly cop, so he's a big boy, who filed for assault, wait, wait for this one, after his girlfriend, against his ex-girlfriend, after she hit him with a box of chocolates he'd eaten. Detective David Clare Gray um, called in police colleagues after Vanessa Farmer hurled... <laughs> Sorry, <coughs> hurled the Nestle dairy box when she discovered there were only two left. The truffle, sorry, scuffle, broke out after Vanessa found she'd been left with just a praline heart and nut crunch. So, of course, if you don't like praline, I mean, you can understand, you'd lose your temper, wouldn't you? This has triggered an astonishing six-month wrangle, a failed court case, and Vanessa claims, uh, uh, Vanessa claims, hit her with a £5,000 legal bill. Anyway, the nightmare started when the police arrived and arrested her. She was held in a cell for 24 hours. She was later charged with assault by, uh, by beating after police passed a file to the Crown Prosecution Service. A pre-trial hearing followed before Vanessa was told the case had been dropped. She said, all I did was throw a chocolate box. I didn't do it to hurt Dave, but I still got arrested. I'm not a nasty, nasty person. She explained how trouble flared in February and she opened the chocks her brother had given her for Christmas and found 18 out of the 20 had been eaten by Dave, the burly ex-copper. Anyway, they'd split after a nine-year relationship but were still living together in separate bedrooms. Feeling peckish, she, she turned to the chocolates because she said uh, David had polished off the leftover lasagna. You can understand why they're not together, can't you, really? She's got two bids by... Uh, two, two bids? Two kids by a previous partner. She said, my children told me that David had eaten the chocolates. I marched into the bedroom and said, have you eaten the chocolates? I called him a, a rude word and flung the box at him like a frisbee. It was frustration. The near-empty chocolate box landed on Dave's belly, Vanessa says. I was probably six feet from him, threw the air, the air and hit him on the tummy. He's got a big belly. He told the police officer it caused him pain that it uh, wouldn't have because of his fat. And so it goes... I mean, honestly, really. Anyway, she's now uh, on antidepressants and sleeping pills. I mean, you shouldn't laugh, really, but you do worry about the court system, don't you, and whether or not people have completely lost all sense of proportion. So, in other words, he's eaten the chocolates, we've split up, and, uh, and Dave's eaten them. He's a fat pig, she said. <laughs> the police where he works in, uh, in Gloucestershire wouldn't comment. They'd probably admit, yes, he is actually a bit fat. And uh, even fatter now he's eating the chocolate. Uh, the time for you this Sunday morning, it's 7.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, 8 o'clock. Sunday morning on LBC. Stig will be along with you just after the news at 8 o'clock this morning. Lots to uh, to discuss with him. Lots more that we can uh, cram in between uh, between now and the end of the programme. And uh, another one here. This is a book about Sinatra. Even after all these years, there is still books that come out about Sinatra. There is still, you know, words. There's a film now. It's called To Be Frank Sinatra at a Hundred. Now, I did go and see Frank Sinatra when he played... Where did he play? I can't remember where he played. I know we went down the river on, on one of those great riverboat cruises. And uh, there was dinner on there. And then you went to see Frank Sinatra. And it was in... It might have been down in Docklands, I suppose it could have been. Whatever it was, uh, I'd never seen Sinatra before, and I thought, you know, it's one of those things, you have to see Sinatra before you die. So we went to see him, and everybody was all gussied up, everybody dressed up for it, and it was lovely. When he came in, he was surrounded by bodyguards. In fact, to be honest with you, you could barely see him in the middle. We went, oh, there he is, there he is, and he walked in, and he was quite away from us, and then he appeared in the middle of the auditorium. There was Frank Jr. conducting the orchestra. And all the way round the stage, I'll always remember, were television screens with the words from the songs, even Strangers in the Night. 
even writing dooby dooby doo, you know, was actually written down there on the actual uh, screen, which is very interesting, very interesting. But at least I can say I did see Frank Sinatra. Apparently his final words were, I'm losing. And uh, and he was he was a, a man. He went out with uh, with loads of people. He was uh, he was known for his uh, of, of his love of the ladies, and uh, and still Frank Sinatra. You still listen to those recordings done years ago. And he was he was one take Sinatra. Always recorded late at night. Always had his friends in there. Count Basie in the orchestra, and he had his uh, cigarettes going and the whiskey. And he just sang because that's what he did, you know. And then there were all the stories about the the uh, connection to the mafia and how they got him into the movies and everything else. But uh, either way, he was still Frank Sinatra and he could still sing. Mind you, I wonder really if you actually sort of set him aside for anybody else. Do you think he could sing or it was just that they, they made you believe that he could sing? Either way, I still saw him, which I thought was good. Uh, we downed Holiday Jet. This is what uh, ISIS terrorists have claimed, which, of course, is a blatant lie. You can't trust these people who are so far in the dark ages. You know, they couldn't light a sparkler, I don't think. My children think I make a monster mash of Dad dancing amidst Jeremy Vine. But as I haven't seen the programme, it doesn't, doesn't really help, actually. Um, the other story, which the uh, only the Express are running with, I've looked through the other papers, and this is of a child murderer who's confessed to killing two boys, is expected to be investigated over the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. So the question is, did a German serial killer snatch Madeleine? Um, I suppose it's going to come back, no, no, no. Because, I mean, th- this far down the line, you know, why now? They must have been aware of this person before. Would you not think so? I think so. Uh, Helen says, I have a rescue cat from the RSPCA. She'd lost one of her back legs. Actually, I see a lot of that on the television. I see a lot of people taking their cats in and they go, listen, uh, we're going to have to take away one of the legs. And, uh, and, and, and the cats seem to survive quite well on it. I've seen dogs on wheels. Seriously, on wheels. On wheels. <laughs> Which I think is actually quite uh, quite sweet, actually. Uh, anyway, she lost one of her back legs, says Helen, six months after she developed a problem with her leg. Only half of the bone had been removed. I had to pay £800. Wow. Contact the RSPCA and heard nothing. £800. <sighs> it's a lot. I did ask a friend of mine if he's got uh, insurance for his dog, and he said no. I said, do you not need insurance for uh, for dogs now? Isn't it isn't it so expensive to actually go to uh, the uh, the vets and even just for little things, just like injections, it could be thirty pounds. And you never find, never find a poor vet, do you? Marlene says, is the Housewives in Orange County an old series? Well, it it was an old series, but we're now bringing them up to date. They're now sort of up to date. I mean, now you've got uh, you've still got a few of the old characters in, but they're sort of introducing a few other people in there. But, uh, oh, it's lovely to see them. I mean, they really are. They're sort of done up to the nines. I can't find the newest series. Love, love, love your show, says Marley. Well, you're in Portsmouth. You'd have to. Goodness sake, honestly. I'm a breath of fresh air, I think, down there. And uh, Bob says, I, my, my double is Morgan Freeman. He says, I've had strangers of all nationalities taking selfies with me. The Chinese tourists seem to be most fascinated, believing that they're meeting a famous person. It's difficult to explain them. I'm not Freeman, because sometimes their English isn't very good. Strangers talk to me on the train. They, uh, they stare at me at the airport and almost everywhere I go. I visit Spain quite often. Spanish people come and ask if I'm a famous American actor. Sometimes they just stand and nudge each other. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> I quite like that idea of looking like somebody. Mind you, of course, that the thing to do is to look like somebody and then milk the fact that you do, although you have to be very careful. There was a guy a short while ago, he claimed to be somebody famous, and he was booking into hotels and everything. And they, they believed that he was the famous person, and so they were giving him credit when they suddenly realised, when they suddenly realised that he wasn't. He was just, um, 
He was just a con artist. Old Harry with his beard, making him look even older than he really is, talking to the uh, Duke of Edinburgh. Love the Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, also at the same rugby match, it was Murdoch and Jerry Hall. He's got his arm round her waist, kissing her. Bet she's thrilled. <laughs> uh, another one here. And um, Dan Snow, the biggest idiotic comment, says Mo. He called Her Majesty the Queen HRH the Queen. I think she is HRH the Queen, isn't she? I think she is HRH. It's like the, the Queen Mother. She was Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, which should have been the Queen's Mother, shouldn't it, really? Uh, I haven't seen uh, The Excellent Close to the Edge on BBC Four. I wasn't even aware there was a BBC Four. And uh, there's an RSPCA shop in Caledonian Road in London, Edmonton. Oh, sorry, Erdington, Edmonton, Erdington High Street. There's a PDSA shop. I went in there with my Jack Russell, Eddie, and was told to get out because dogs weren't allowed. <laughs> well, there was that story we had the other week, wasn't it? Uh, which was uh, a woman who took her guide dog into a, into a supermarket and the guard turned her away. No dogs. It's a guide dog. It's got a harness on. Guide dog. No, out. No, no dogs. And the supermarket had to admit that he was, he was from overseas and didn't know. Quite clearly. Obviously an idiot of the first order. They're going to take him away for retraining, which is, uh, which is always good, isn't it? Uh, re-meeting your double, Steve. This happened to me in the 70s. At Southgate Tube Station, the guy came up the escalator towards me. We both took a double take. Very weird experience. It was a young, not too famous at the time, Ray Winston. Oh, right, you look like Ray Winston. Actually, a friend of mine uh, looks like Grant out of EastEnders. He was often getting mistaken for Grant (laughs) of EastEnders, which I I I thought was quite uh, quite funny, actually. Uh, What about Paddy from Emmerdale as your double? Oh dear, uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. That's not nice. Don't look at all like him. I've got far more hair, as you can imagine. Uh, Brian said, do you, think, "Do you think if they filled the Boris water cannon full of water and drove them to the illegal rave, then jetted all the ravers, would that sort them out?" No, of course not. No, no, no. And uh, somebody says, yet again, the Talk Talk website down. See, I've had no... I don't know if... Nobody's had any problems, have they? We know that we've heard about the hacking, but I don't actually believe that there is a a problem. I don't believe that the information that is on there can actually let somebody access your... your information. I just don't think it's possible. Hollywood fears sales sump. China has banned ghost movies. So better red than dead. They don't like them, actually. Uh, Cradle of Life, that was Lara Croft Tomb Raider, was banned in 2003. Uh, they've also banned Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, The Departed with Jack Nicholson, loads of them. Now the latest gothic horror hit, Crimson Park Peak, which stars uh, Jessica Chastain and British actor Tom Hiddleston, is facing the chop because it follows a young bride who can see the dead. But they don't like things like that. They don't like things like that, so they've decided to, to ban them. Goodness gracious me. Uh, Here is a lady who's been selling poppies for 80 years. Good for her. Her name is Christine England. She's 95. Her father made a promise never to forget those who sacrificed their lives in the Great War. And uh, and she says, I'm selling them to honour a promise made to my father. So good for her at the age of uh, 95. One Direction exiting um, as the tears flow, mainly from the fans. They go, bye. I should imagine they're sick to death of touring. Uh, one 19-year-old said she'd saved up for nearly a year to travel from Sydney to see the band. She said, we've been crying in the car. I've been a fan since the beginning. God, it's funny how people get affected by these things, isn't it? It's only just an assembled boy band. And they get on stage, somebody else writes all their songs, and they jump around, and then, and that's it. And they've made a small fortune. And they've decided they don't want to do it for a while. I suspect, I should imagine, it'll be for 
quite a while. But I mean, it could be wrong. could be wrong. It's amazing how people get affected by it. I remember years ago watching people, as we've discussed with the Osmonds, you know, people sort of practically throwing themselves under the tour bus. They'd go, Donnie, Donnie, Jimmy, Jimmy, Alan, Alan, everybody. It was, it, was, it was just absolutely amazing. And the same for the Bay City Rollers, and the same for the Beatles, and the same for just about loads and loads of groups where, you know, people get carried away. They buy into the group, and in one direction you can buy the dolls, you can buy the merchandise, they know everything about people because they've, uh, they've actually sort of checked everything out on the website. They've bought everything, and they think that they own them. But I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Uh, lots of shows. See a live show. This uh, Michael Jackson Thriller Live is touring now. Uh, also, Joe Brown in concert. He'll be worth seeing. Got to be a certain age to know who Joe Brown is. But he's very good. And there's a Christmas show with Kavanagh. Oh, my God. Kavanagh. Dear God. And Gemma Myrna with a full supporting cast. Celebrating the magic of Christmas. Well, Kavanagh, he's mad as a broomstick, isn't he? What earth they've been putting him on something like that for? I'm more interested in the, uh, uh, the Let It Be show, the Beatles show you never got to see. It's quarter to eight. Steve Allen on LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. Stig Abel, this morning from eight on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to eight is uh, the time. Uh, another one here. Oh, so Stig's going to be doing this... Uh, Apparently, he just told me a short while ago, 70% of all uh, suicides are men. And that's high, you know, far and away, the biggest killer of men is suicide. It's not testicular cancer. Oh, sorry. It's not testicular cancer. It's not anything like that. It is suicide. Why do so many men um, actually uh, commit suicide? Why do they... Why would they do that? Do they not have anybody to talk to? We know that men are not are not particularly good at dealing with uh, with problems, but seventy five percent that is an unusually high figure. He's going to talk about that a little bit later on. Somebody says, "How can you say talk talk is not an issue?" Uh, well, it's not for me, and I don't believe that uh, all these are, are non encrypted. Then, I mean, how do you suppose somebody's going to get money out of your bank? Even if I gave you my account, how do you think you're going to get money out of it? How do you think that's going to happen? What, you're just going to phone up and say, can you transfer some money from this account and put it into my bank account? I mean, dear God in heaven. That's why everything's encrypted on there. I don't care whether or not some of it isn't. There's certainly not enough information to take anything out of anybody's uh, account. Uh, Wendy says, my son who's in his 30s has seen Joe Brown shows many times, so it's not all oldies like me who saw him in the 1960s. Could be true, actually. He did a he did a great show at the London Palladium, which is uh, which is out on uh, on DVDs. Uh, somebody says my uh, my husband Tony looks like President Putin. Says, start panicking. I should imagine, <laughs> start panicking. <laughs> looks like Putin. Oh, it's quite funny, actually. Well, if he really does look like Putin. That would be good. Uh, Neil says I'm very disillusioned with the RSPCA. I rescued a little dog which was running loose outside home this week. Tried to contact the RSPCA. The website had no contact numbers, and they don't take in stray dogs. Not the image they portray with Paul O'Grady. Did he do RSPCA or was that Battersea? I don't know. Eventually contact the local dog warden who took the poor, emaciated, flea-ridden dog in for seven days to clean her up. In a terrible state, her claws were growing around into her legs, bless her. So I've been in touch about rehoming her. I've been informed she'll need over £2,500 in operations, which I'll have to pay for. Such a shame. I don't know why people have pets. Well, as you know, Neil, I've often uh, said there's no such thing as a bad dog. There's bad owners. Bad owners, people who don't know how to treat animals. And anybody can go out and get an animal nowadays. That's what's so, uh, so awful about it. 
Uh, Steve, all this fuss about transgender people. For years, they've been called uh, Thai ladyboys. Yes, the Thai ladyboys show is, is very familiar, but many of those are not um, sex changes. They're just people who've got the uh, the top bit done, to put it politely. <laughs> Angelina says, yes, play- uh, yes, Steve, many places in Spain, you get an English breakfast. Benidorm, especially. I'm not sure I want to go to Benidorm, actually. It's very sweet of you to offer, though. Thank you. Uh, HRH is Her Royal Highness, which was Princess Elizabeth's title before she became Queen. When she became Queen, she goes up to the next level, so she's HM, Her Majesty. Dan Snow, being a historian, should have known about it. The trouble is you do get mistakes, mate. Doesn't really matter, does it, really? And uh, why are you so surprised about Jerry Hall and Murdoch, says Sonia? I feel she's traded in one old wrinkly for an even older one. Yes, he's. A, yes, I suspect the other one is slightly richer, don't you reckon? 84. 84? It's unbelievable, isn't it? 84 and she's, I think, 56. I think you saw the Sinatra concert city, and as I did at the London Arena, I went on a corporate package... I felt he should have retired some years earlier. The voice cracked regularly and he poured sweat. Well, in fact, on, on one of them, he started Strangers in the Night and he was the head of the orchestra. So they, had, they, so they stopped and started again on our show. He says, I think the audience were quite forgiving. Oh, well, I, I totally agree with you. Totally agree. I mean, we were dealing with, uh, with Frank Sinatra. And I think that's, you know, it's Frank Sinatra, isn't it? Goodness sake. What's the difference between a stripper and a podium dancer? I don't know either. But apparently some, some woman who was on The Apprentice, they call her a star. She's not a star. She was just another, another wanna, wannabe on there called Selena Waterman-Smith. Terribly, terribly posh, but not at all posh at all. Is, is threatening legal action over claims she worked as a stripper. Uh, the the blonde, 31, you know, I think she's already been dropped from the programme anyway, has been in talks with lawyers and is poised to sue the PR team for portraying her as a stripper. I suppose, actually, if you were a podium dancer, and she said, I, when I started as a podium dancer, I retired from that several years ago. Well, I mean, isn't, isn't that stripping, podium dancing? I don't know. What do you do that in, dear? Do you do that in full full boiler suit, or is it sort of wearing, you know, very little? It's the whole idea, isn't it, if you're on a podium, you're not standing there. I suppose you could be classed as a stripper because you have stripped off some of your daytime clothes. Would that not be the case? I would have thought so. Anyway, she says, the BBC were more than aware of this and know how strict Dubai is, but because the story was good exposure for The Apprentice, they didn't do anything to dispel the myth. Anyway, she's uh, anyway. She thinks that uh, these stories about her. Although, to be honest with you, I thought your five seconds had finished ages ago. She thinks this will affect her future career. I have no idea on things like that. No idea. But uh, she also received uh, a warning, shoving a rival during filming. She claims it was her who was the victim of bullying. And the apprentice spokesman has said, you know, we do all we can to sort of protect these people. I mean, to be honest with you, I've said on this program a million times, they're all mad as broomsticks. There's something the matter with him. Oh, yes, I can nail this. No is not an option. I can do this. And uh, I think what they actually do is that they have a duty of care to people. You know, if you don't like it. And also she thinks that she was edited badly. Oh, grow up, for God's sake. You're 31. 31. I thought by now, you know, you'd have started making some decisions. So if you're going to sue them, sue them. Don't go to a paper and say you're going to sue. Because the BBC can have you over a barrel over certain things. You know, I don't know what the difference between a stripper is and a podium dancer. I mean, is, is podium pole? I don't know. I've got no idea. I'm not, I'm not particularly interested. I just know that most of the people on the television and most of the people who appear on The Apprentice are just not all there. They're just not there. I don't know why. They, they just come up with some of the biggest pile of rubbish. You can, I can spot a fraud a mile away. And most of them are just people who sort of just sort of, just sort of chat, don't they? But, they? but they don't come up with any hard evidence of what they think they can do. 
which is uh, which is a bit of a shame. But we watch it, and we watch with glee as they all collapse. There was one this week, wasn't there? Oh, I've set my target of £7,500. What did she end up with? Zero. Zero. Daily Star on Sunday. Uh, the ghosts forcing the East End to start and move house. That'll be all the ghost lovers will be out there loving that kind of thing. Uh, the Express is we downed holiday jet. Uh, usual garbage from ISIS claiming the responsibility, which of course it wasn't them at all. They wouldn't have the capabilities to bring down a, a jet at that height. The Sunday Mirror, Joanna Lumley. I can't wait to be 70. I hope that you've downloaded the... Uh, the interview that we did with her the other week on the programme. It was a super interview. Uh, Corey Ryan, the fugitive and the drugs party, strictly on the dance gore. I've noticed this year, have you noticed that there's more Halloween things? Around my way, perhaps it's done, you know, I mean, even my local Starbucks seem to have done it. The local hairdressers have all done something. People are dressing up and uh, and sort of getting into it. And there's people you see walking about town. People yesterday I saw walking about, I suppose for the rugby, and uh, and they were all on there as well. And you sort of think to yourself, perhaps we're getting more into this. Whereas I'm not. As I say, once I'd electrified the doorbell, I felt quite happy about sitting in watching television. Uh, burn it. The Iraq war, the cover-up. This has been denied by uh, Tony Blair and everybody else. This is ministers told to destroy secret evidence showing the war was illegal. Jerry and Murdoch out together. She's 56, I think. He's 84. I suppose their song would be It's Impossible. Uh, My Gang Rape Agony. This is Selena Water. Oh, she's on the front of the sun today. Good Lord. She's revealed she was gang raped in a four-hour ordeal. And um, so, obviously, you know, she wants to talk about it. So she's talking about it to the biggest selling paper, The Sunday People. Cheryl calls the shots. My my late-night vodka and green tea sessions with Simon, where we talk over ideas for programmes. No, I didn't believe it either. Uh, crooks by Talk Talk Data. There you go. Just have to keep an eye on your bank account and just make sure you get compensated. You get compensated if somebody takes it out, somebody else will put it back in again for you because it's up to them to watch it. And if they have a, an unusual transaction on your account, they will phone you. We've just had somebody wants to transfer money to Dubai. Would you have any knowledge of that one? You just can't transfer money out of somebody's account. You know, you can if you get their PIN number. But you can't, uh, can't do it any other way. So it uh, be interesting to see how that one pans out. Now they're saying one of the other uh, phone places were also having a, a little bit of a problem. Uh, the Independent, 224 die in Sinai, plane disaster, no survivors after the Russian holiday flight returning from Egypt goes down minutes after takeoff. Uh, the Sunday Telegraph are running with the same story. And also a picture of uh, Prince Harry wearing that famous suit that he drags out every so often. Uh, why your cat is plotting to kill you. <laughs> One for uh, for cat lovers everywhere. And the Sunday Times, did ISIS down the Russian airliner? Answer, no, it didn't. But they're doing food and all sorts of exciting things. That's it uh, for today. I'm back again this evening at nine o'clock for In Conversation with the lovely Ruth Langsford and the fabulous Sir Tom Jones. That's worth uh, worth downloading by itself, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>